0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. I hope you guys are feeling really good today. Let me know there in the chat. This is actually my first time preaching a church at home, and I am so excited to be with you. Like, I literally get to be in your house right here on your TV screen. So please let me know how you do church at home. We always say take a selfie with us. Tag us at COL Church. But I am so glad to be a part of your Sunday morning routine. I know quite a few people do breakfast, While they're watching church, some people gather around the TV all together. But thank you so much for being a part of Church at Home for the last 20 Weeks We have stayed together through all of this. And so that is an opportunity for us to stay connected. Thank you for staying with us through it all. But yeah, I'm here first time getting to preach church at home. My name is Pastor Justin. I serve as one of the associate pastors here at City of Life. And I know that I've got my hallelujah wall backing me up. What's up, guys? Good to see you all. Let's go, let's go. And then, of course, some team members in the room. I feel it. And then all of you watching at home, I've got everything I need. So I'm ready to preach today. And I hope you're ready to go with me because I've got an approach today that I like to call preach it like I see it. We're gonna go line by line through a passage today that I believe is gonna bless and encourage your life on the theme of press your luck. How many people here would say you're a risk taker? Let me know in the chat, hallelujah all, who's a risk taker? I know this guy needs to raise his hand for sure. I see a few in the room. A risk taker that just says, hey, I'm just gonna risk it all like Kay did in that video. Like I'm just going for it. Press your luck. So turn with me to Luke chapter 6. I'm reading out of the NIV, and we'll start in verse 17. Now, this is one of the most famous moments in Scripture. Jesus' ministry has begun, and people are starting to follow him and crowd around him. And this is a moment where he sits outside and has this gathering of people all around him. And he looks up, and he begins to speak. And his words are the foundation of the Christian life. His words are the foundation of everything we know about the life he's called us to live. But join me in verse 17. It says, He went down with them and stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples was there. A great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who'd come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. I want to pause right there. These are people who have followed Jesus because he's traveling and there is this crowd that follows him and travels with him. If this is the very beginning of following Jesus. You know, that's what we say today, like, I'm a a Christ follower. But these people were literally Christ followers. Anywhere he would go, they would go to in hopes that they would hear a word that would heal their disease. They would bring sick to him. They would bring broken people to him. And what I love is the model that Jesus sets for ministry, that broken, sick, hurting, wounded, imperfect people are attracted to Jesus rather than scared of him his presence. And as a church, I believe we have an opportunity to set that tone that, hey, if you don't have it all together, there's a place for you here. There's an opportunity for you here. You don't have to be perfect to be a Christ follower. You are following the one perfect Christ, and everyone else is welcome. And so this crowd of people gathers around him. They've come near him. They are Uh, needing healing from their diseases. They are troubled by impure spirits and they're cured of them. And the people all tried to touch him because there was power coming from him and healing them all. You know, later in Scripture, John actually says, like, we wrote down as much as we could, but if we put every miracle on paper, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. And this one sentence stands out to me. It says, everyone's trying to touch Jesus because power is constantly flowing from him. Can you imagine how many lives, how many people just barely touched him? I mean, we know of one woman who touched the hem of his garment, but this sentence tells me there's countless others who would just get close and be healed. That's the kind of power. Power that Jesus wields and he now lives in us and so this scene is set with all these people who have devoted their time and energy to following Jesus and then verse 20 he looks at his disciples now that's not talking about 12 dudes it's talking about this group of people sitting on a hillside The Bible calls them disciples. And that is probably one of the most important words in this whole passage and in this whole message. Jesus isn't looking at a random group of people. He's not looking at a motley crew of of fans who are just trying to listen to what he's saying. He's looking at his disciples, his people. Let me go back and describe these people to you. People who were troubled by impure spirits, people who were sick, people who were from a far way off, people who were just trying to touch him because of his power. It says these are his disciples. Discipleship does not require you to have everything put together. Here's what it takes to be a disciple follow Jesus. Just follow him. Just keep following. And wherever he goes, go there too. And so he's looking at this kind of mess. Of people, If you will, like formerly possessed, formerly sick, troubled, not educated, certainly poor, this broken, messed up group of people, and they're sitting on a hillside. This is not the scholars in the temple, the Pharisees in the religious centers. This is not the pretty, put-together people. This is people who are out in the quite literal backwoods of where everything is supposed to be happening. And Jesus looks up in verse 20, looking at his disciples, and he says this this word blessed. Before I go any further he says blessed. He looks at his disciples and he says blessed and kind of the flow of this message today is going to deal with some unlikely things and it started with an unlikely people. His disciples are an unlikely people. They were then and they are today. You know, the Bible tells us he chooses the foolish things of the world. We are an unlikely people. I mean, look at us. We're sitting here today, people from all walks of life. You know, we've got uh, a crazy world we're living in. But we're unlikely people. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve this. But we're following. I'm following as best as I can. And all of us have a former state of things, and these people formerly possessed, formerly sick, formerly broken, what were you formerly? The only thing that made a difference is the fact that you started following Jesus. It's an unlikely people. He didn't pick the cream of the crop. He didn't pick the ideal candidates. He said, I'll take anyone who follows. An unlikely people. And then upon these unlikely people, he speaks an unlikely word. Blessed. Now, without going too in depth here, I just want to go as far as is necessary for you to understand what's happening. The word he chooses in Greek, because Jesus is speaking Greek to a Greek audience here, it's makarios, which sounds Hispanic, but it's a word that is so casual in its delivery, so simple in its meaning. There are better words, there are quote-unquote better words that Jesus could have used. He could have used the Hebrew word agar, which means the divine imputing of blessing, kind of this religious priestly blessing upon people, but he doesn't use that word. He uses this really casual word that might not be perfectly translated to say blessed. A more accurate word would be fortunate, or even more accurate, lucky, He says, Lucky you. He's not operating as priest right here trying to offer a benediction to his people. He just looks at this group of fishermen and and broken, hurt people and he says, You're lucky. You're so fortunate. You are so fortunate. He's not bringing the blessing on them, he's identifying the fact that they're already blessed. He says, You're lucky. He says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. In other words, you you who are poor, you're so lucky because God's already given you the kingdom. He's not saying you're lucky because you're poor. It's a big distinction. He's saying you're lucky in spite of being poor. You who are broken, you're lucky because God's making you whole you are so lucky, so fortunate. Now, I know it's weird for me to talk about this idea because I'm not referring to superstition. I'm not talking about a a lucky clover or a rabbit's foot. I'm simply talking about good fortune. Have you ever known anyone who just kind of like, everywhere they go, it's just like, how come things work out for you? Like, they're always winning things. They're always fortunate. It just seems like things go in their favor. Jesus is saying in the most casual yet profound way, you people sitting on this hill, you're lucky you're fortunate. Things are going your way. You might not see it. You might not feel it. And do you realize kind of the the strange contradiction for Jesus to call this group lucky? Because they are again, formerly possessed, formerly sick, kind of broken, definitely stinky. Then he says, you're lucky. You're lucky. This unlikely people with an unlikely word And now let's read some of these blessings because there's an unlikely outcome. He says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil, Because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day when you're rejected. Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. This unlikely outcome is that when these unlikely people endure unfavorable circumstances, they are still favored. Now, this is, this, is, this is deep, but I hope that you can hear this. The blessing that Jesus identifies in his disciples' lives is that this unlikely group will go through unfavorable circumstances with favor upon them. Can I preach? Hallelujah well, Can I go for it here? His disciples have a promise. He says, lucky are you, fortunate are you, blessed are you, because you will go through hunger, you will go through poverty, you will go through turmoil and rejection and hurt and abuse, but leap in that day, jump in that day, rejoice in that day, because God is with you and you have favor in the unfavorable situation. I'm 32 and jumping in boots, oh boy. God says in the unfavorable circumstance, that's where your fortune will come alive. That's where the blessing is. He says rejoice in that day because great is your reward in heaven. I wish he said, great is your reward in that day, right? It would be, I would be doing bell kicks if he said, hey, rejoice in your tough day, because in your tough day, your reward will come to you. But the reward that Jesus has for his disciples is too big to fit in your day of difficulty. It far exceeds the boundaries and perimeter of your day of difficulty, and so God says, it won't fit here, so I'm going to put it on layaway, put it on hold, so that when you reach heaven, the place of expanse and infinitude that's when I'll give you your reward because heaven is the only place that can house the size of fortune and favor and blessing I've got for you and so often we're like God can I just see your the fullness of your promise here well certainly we're going to see his goodness in the land of the living but this life can't contain how large and expansive his favor is upon you And so he says, leap in that day, rejoice in that day. My disciples are gonna have favor in unfavorable circumstances. It's an unlikely outcome. But now we've got an unlikely problem as he continues. And again, I just want you to appreciate the casualness with which Jesus is delivering this message. He's saying, you guys are lucky. You're lucky that you're here. You're lucky that the kingdom has come to you. And then he goes on in verse 24, he says, but woe to you who are rich. And I don't think that it's again this priestly benediction or priestly malediction, this curse. He's simply saying, This isn't going to go well for you. He says, Man, I'm so sorry. Whoa. Like there's this heaviness to it. He says, Woe to you who are rich because you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you'll go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you'll mourn and weep. Woe to everyone who speaks well of you, for that's how their ancestors treated the false prophets. He's saying that if in this life you have well adjusted yourself to the comfort of life and the praise and accolades of men, then your posture is going to make it very difficult for you to receive the magnitude of the favor, the fortune, the luck of God's kingdom. He says, man, I'm so sorry for you. Because the comfort of your life will make it so difficult for you to posture yourself the way you need to, to receive what has already come to you. Is Jesus saying that rich people can't receive? No, certainly not. He's just saying it's unfortunate that you have gotten so adjusted to the comforts of life that you don't remember how to need. That you don't remember how to be desperate. That you don't remember how to... because. What were his, who were his disciples? This messy group of people who followed him everywhere he went and inconvenienced themselves, their agenda, their life, and did whatever they could to just touch Jesus. And he was observing. He was not trying to curse a certain group of people. He was saying, I don't see any rich people pushing through the crowd like that. I don't see any of the people who have all of their agenda cemented in and they can't fit me into their calendar and they say, well, I'll go see Jesus in two weeks. saying, I don't see any of those people trying to touch my robe. I don't see any of those people leaning into every word I say. And so he's not saying that one group is better than the other. He's saying one group is pressing in to the kingdom more than the other. And as a people, we have to be so sensitive to the things that keep us from being desperate. Don't try to be liked by everybody. Because when you get liked by everybody, you start to forget how much you need the approval of God. When you have everyone's approval, you forget how much you need God's. And it's these rejects sitting on the hillside that have been cast out by everyone else that realize, if I can just get one word of approval from God... People have overlooked me. People have rejected me. I don't bring a lot to the table of man, but if God says yes, then that's enough for me. That's the kind of posture that these people carried. So there's this unlikely problem that the comfort of life might keep you from the promise of the kingdom. But now let's go to this unlikely result. We have an unlikely people, this misfit crew, with an unlikely word, lucky you. An unlikely outcome that the kingdom has already come. You don't have to earn it. It's not something you're working toward, it's here. An unlikely problem that the comfort of life might keep you from the promise of the kingdom, but now an unlikely result. This is what do I do with this luck now? It's all come to me. Heaven has made itself open to me. And you would think this is how the story ends, right? Like Jesus ends it and says, and, and that's the end. In my name, amen, right? Like this is it. Heaven has come to you, the end of the message. But no, there is an unlikely result. They've received that fortune. They got lucky. And then Jesus tells them to press their luck. He says, now that you got lucky with the favor of heaven, verse 27 to you who are listening i say go love your enemies do good to those who hate you oh y'all didn't know we were going here did you bless those who curse you pray for those who mistreat you if someone slaps you on one cheek turn them turn to them the other also If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting repayment in full. Verse 35, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Lend to your enemies is what Jesus just said. That is, that is, That. (laughs) I, I get uncomfortable at this idea. And then he says, then your reward will be great and then you will be children of the most high because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. This plot twist at the end of Jesus' message, he's saying, you guys are lucky. You got everything in the kingdom. Your reward will be good and rejoice when people don't like you. Celebrate when they persecute you because your reward in heaven is great and then at the end, there's an unlikely result. So now... Since you're so lucky, go love your enemies. Go love those who persecute you. Go give freely to anyone who asks. Go give without expecting repayment. Do you know what Jesus is saying? Go love an unlikely person in an unlikely way, the way that I loved you. He's saying, because I chose you, because I welcomed you, because I made a way for you, go press your luck into the life of someone else and help them experience the same fortune that I brought to you. Because if you really understand the purpose of your luck, it's not to be enjoyed on your own, but rather you are meant to press your luck into the lives of the world around you and help them see how fortunate they can be if they simply do what you did and what did you do? Did you earn it? No. Did you deserve it? No. Did you look good enough, sound good enough, say the right words? No. All you did was pick up and start following Jesus. All you did was say yes to the call and start following him. And if you love others in a way that makes them realize all they need to do is follow Jesus, then you have pressed your luck and your fortune to the place that it belongs, which is welcoming others into this luck as well. So lucky you, lucky me. We're so fortunate. We're so blessed. But what do we do with that fortunate, blessed, lucky life? We keep on spinning. We keep on going. We keep on loving and serving. Will it always work out well? Will we get rejected? Certainly. Will there be a couple whammies along the way? Absolutely. Will people persecute you? Yeah, Jesus promised that. Will every person you talk to just come flocking to church? Probably not, but you have no idea the part you play in planting seed. The Bible says some of us plant, some of us water, God brings the harvest. So really you can't lose by being who God called you to be. You might not see the immediate results, but remember our results don't fit in this life they fit in heaven. And one day, who knows if you might not just see someone there standing in glory next to you, that you played a part in their salvation. We have to be people that go out and love passionately and love deeply and love graciously, not just to the people who make sense. Go love someone unlikely. Go show grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. Go give to an enemy. Jesus said that's what it means to be lucky. That's what it means to be fortunate. It's safe to go love someone who will love you back. It makes sense to give someone who will give back to you, but he says go press your luck to the unlikely likely because even one unlikely person coming home is worth it all and he says you can't outrisk me whatever you give I'll give in return I've got you Jesus says so let that be our approach church as these doors open again I'm believing and doing my part to see some unlikely faces, to see some unlikely people, cause I'm done playing church. If there's anything that the last 20 weeks have taught us, it's that we have to rise now and reach far into culture now, reaching into the flames to pull people out now. And if you and I can get over our Insta filters and the way we look and the way we sound and start to press our luck, the most unlikely I believe heaven is going to be made a reality in the earth so let's do it let's press our luck and if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus you're lucky because he's here right now here in church at home here in the room he's made himself available to you that's you and you want to respond you want to become a disciple a follower of Jesus let me tell you what it takes just follow him oh but pastor Justin do I have to clean everything up and fix everything before no 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 he'll take care of that all it is is following him picking everything you've got up and going in his direction it means you're gonna have to leave some things and get on the move with him but he'll take care of the process your job is following that's you, I wanna pray with you. There's a way you can respond at cityoflife.live. Click the raise hand button. If you're watching in the chat, say, I wanna follow Jesus today. And if everyone can repeat this prayer with those who are praying it, say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I wanna follow you from this day forward. From now on, it's Jesus first and Jesus always. Wherever you go, going and i want to show love to the most unlikely people in your name amen this concludes the teaching if you'd like to support what god is doing here at city of life click on the give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900 we hope you'll join us again